Not going to be all snow. A wintry mix is forecast for the listening area. What's up, Wintry Mix listeners? Alex Kaufman here. Uh, this is a little bit different, so I'm going to try to do it without a script. Um, as you know, we're on a bit of a hiatus until, say, August or September for the traditional Wintry Mix user submission format. Uh, and in the meantime, I've got an off-season project, which has now gone live, which I'm going to try to get you to go check out. Uh, it's called Pod Sam. It's in partnership with Sam Magazine. You may know them as Ski Area Management Magazine. And it is based on their summit series, which was a bunch of conference calls with some of the top leadership in the ski industry, um, sharing their knowledge with a bunch of listeners who are up and comers in the industry. And I'm turning that into a six episode podcast series. And some of you may find that interesting. Some of you may not, uh, but you should check it out. Uh, check out Pod Sam. You can search for it, P-O-D-S-A-M on iTunes or Google Play. Or you can visit saminfo.com slash podsam. Uh, there's links to it as well from all of the Wintry Mix social um, and things like that. So not hard to find. Search for Podsam in your podcast app. Uh, give me some five-star ratings, some reviews, whatever you want. Stay tuned. The first real episode uh, will be coming up around April 24, 25. And then I'll put out new ones every three weeks or so uh, throughout the spring and summer uh, before Wintry Mix comes back full force uh, late summer, early fall. I will let you know. So for this episode, those of you who have downloaded it, I've queued up episode 11, because I know a lot of my subscribers never really went back through the archive all the way. This is about the National Weather Service in Burlington, Vermont. I actually took a tour of their offices and turned it into a podcast. So stick around uh, for that, and be sure to check out PodSam wherever you get pods. I appreciate it. Thanks. Welcome, welcome. Episode 11. My name is Alex Kaufman. This is Wintry Mix. Uh, we are not coming to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio this week because we are at the Burlington International Airport, uh, which also houses the National Weather Service uh, Burlington, Vermont office, which covers a good chunk of northern New York State as well as almost all of the state of Vermont for all of your weather product needs. And we have a tour guide today as well. Paul? Yeah, hi, Alex. My name is Paul Sisson. I'm the Science and Operations Officer here in Burlington, and I've been here for, oh, 20-something years now and uh, enjoy forecasting the weather for this area. All right, so we're going to talk snow, we're going to talk forecasting, we're going to talk local, national, and regional weather in a moment as we get a tour of the Burlington office of the National Weather Service here on episode 11 of Wintry Mix. I, I've never been on a boat, and I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> it just makes my lips numb to think about it. But if your friend is a good sailor and the craft is seaworthy, yes, I will go sailing. Here's a bonus. I'm not going to make you listen to the original ad. I sail. I, I sail now. Keep sailing, Bob. Out on a boat on the lake, way far away from the dock, with the wind of the wind with the sky and everything. And before we start out on that tour, Paul, um, do you ski? 
I do ski. I grew up in Rhode Island. When I was looking at colleges, I found this little college in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont called Linden State. They taught meteorology, which was kind of what I was interested in. So I ended up finding out that, oh, there's a little mountain nearby, Burke Mountain. So I figure out, well, I could ski there three or four days a week and also study the weather. So um, ended up going to Linden State, learned really how to ski once I came up here, found, found other jobs in different places, and then and ended up back here in Burlington. Yeah, we have 23 employees here at the office, and we range from uh, mostly meteorologists, but we have uh, electronics folks that take care of the equipment, some administrative folks as well. We have a hydrologist that kind of monitors the water and uh, flooding situation, which is a big thing for us in this area. And percentage of the folks that work in here who actually hit the slopes, how, what would you ballpark it at? Oh, I'd say maybe 25%. Is it somebody's birthday? What's the story with the cake, Paul? One of our employees uh, had a transfer down to, to Florida, and yesterday, yesterday was his last day, so we had a little cake for him going away. We have offices uh, around the country. There's 122 different offices. So uh, generally, if you want to move up in the organization, most organizations, you kind of move around uh, promotion potential and things like that. But it is preference too. Do you guys have national conferences where you get together? And, and if so, you know, what's really the, the hot topics right now in the National Weather Service community? The big thing that we're discussing now in the Weather Service is how to provide in, information to people so they can understand and use it. You know, we have all this, and you'll see some of the stuff I'll show you, is all this scientific stuff, right? Um, and you've probably seen some of it. These, all these weather maps and numbers and this and that. But what does it re actually mean to you, me? What does it mean to your, your mom or your, your grandmother? And, so we're, and, and not only that, but we're trying to give good information to people that need to make hard decisions, like people, emergency managers, uh, police, fire, just anybody that's got a big event going on, you know, what, what they need to know to keep people safe. There's a million different places to get weather information. But most of those places, if I understand correctly, are doing a big chunk of their work just repackaging what you guys do. Yeah, the, the Weather Service um, is the backbone of all the weather information basically around the country. I mean, there are other, you know, uh, community-based organizations and obviously the different media markets and stuff too, but they all, the backbone of all the information is really na the National Weather Service, the satellites, the radar, all that stuff, 99% of it is, is through the National Weather Service. So um, they need uh, the weather information that we provide to do their, to do their job and they, they put a different spin on it. Um, different, they have different customers, um, different needs. Um, so we're trying to provide that sort of base uh, of the scientific information that goes into weather forecasts. And this office has existed since when? How long has there been a, a Burlington office, not necessarily in this location, but just in the region at all? When, oh when did boy, it start? You're asking me history now. I'm in trouble. I, I assume. I mean, we've got back records that go back yeah, how far? Yeah, we do. In the, back to the 1880s. Um, and the office has moved around. It was downtown. It's kind of on the UVM campus for a while. Uh, moved to the airport when the airport got going in the 30s, 40s. But it's been back to the 1880s or so. Does it help you to be at the airport from some kind of perspective, or is it just that's where there happened to be office space? The forecast people don't necessarily know about so much is the ones we do for the airport. So the, region, the reason we were put here originally is to both observe the weather, document you know, what's coming out of the sky, what we see, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's one reason we were at the airport. But we also put out specialized forecasts for airports around the, 
uh, around, the, around the region. So very specific things like how high are the clouds, how far can you see, what's the wind direction, wind speed, wind gusts, what kind of, you know, all this up to the minute sort of information that the airlines need. And we're leaving your office right now, and the first thing I see is a map of the East Coast. I guess these are the eastern region offices that exist, and you can see. Uh, describe to me what we're looking at right here. It kind of looks like pieces of a puzzle and where each National Weather Service office has a piece uh, of the real estate in, in the country that we're responsible for. So, for instance, uh, the BTV office or the Burlington office is responsible for most of Vermont and northern New York, um, so in including the mountain, the Green Mountains, the Adirondacks, Lake Champlain. And the reason they're in these puzzle pieces is we have this weather radar um, that's located just right outside uh, Burlington in Colchester. And so that, that radar has a limited range. It goes out 125 to as much as 250 miles. So basically, if you draw a ring around Burlington, that's kind of what we're trying to cover. Do they get reputations? Like, do you guys kind of joke about some of the other offices a little bit? You know, like those gray guys, man, they're crazy. They're always calling things early or, or things like that. I mean, is there any kind of, uh, I guess, friendly ribbing that goes on between the, uh, between the offices? You know, even within an office, you know, we have different personalities. So, yeah, there, there's some there's a little give and take between between the different offices on on different things. We all have different opinions on how the weather is going to to pan out, both within our office and with the other offices. So we have some some good discussions. Do you ever chime into Buffalo and be like, what are you guys doing with that lake effect advisory? You know, it's going to be 30 miles to the south of where you're putting it. I mean, does anybody ever kind of pre second guess to kind of help out another forecaster? And, and are people able to kind of take that advice? Um, well, if you're in the weather business, generally you have a pretty thick skin, so you got to be able to take and, and you can give and take the, the criticisms. But, um, you know, with the Buffalo office, the, their specialty, like you asked about the specialty, their specialty is lake effect snow. So, you know, we kind of... They know it in and out. They, they know it in and out. And for us, we're sort of on the fringe of it. So we get the, the leftover. So they, they do a good job with the lake effect snow forecasting. Great. So we're, I guess, in the uh, in the... What would you call it? the nerve center? We see, uh, you know, to describe to us kind of what, what we're looking at here. Okay, this is um, this is our operations area. Um, today we have three people working, uh, which is pretty typical for your pretty routine weather. Um, so at each each person's uh, workspace, they have oh what six five to six monitors um, where we're monitoring uh, the the current and forecast uh, weather information so the way we usually work so we and we also have a few extra spaces so when the weather gets really busy um, we can have as many as five or six people working so it, it looks pretty differently if we're under some kind of watch warning advisory or, or happening event Exactly. Yeah. So uh, again, lots of computer stuff you're looking at, a lot of electronics. Um, our weather radio is a computer over there as well. Generally tend to break up duties by the person, one person will do say the first half of the forecast, maybe out for a couple days, and then the other person takes sort of the long range forecast. Um, one person will do the aviation forecast, forecast for the airports. Um, where other people will do what we call the public forecast, which is your partly cloudy chance of showers kind of forecast. We also have a recreational forecast that we do for the mountains. Yeah, you have the mountains and the lake, correct? Mountain and the lake. So one personal, you know, depending on the day, we can split things up differently, but that's generally how we split things up. We have to spend a little bit of time talking on the, uh, the topic du jour, which is it's not that cold this year so far. It's not that uncommon to, to see a, a warm start to the winter, but this year um, it's not. It, it's pretty far um, above normal. As a matter of fact, if 
we keep going the way we're going, and it looks like we are, we'll probably have the warmest December on record. And it's generally, I mean, people talk about El Nino, they talk about climate change, um, or it's just the jet stream having a trough in the West. I mean, one of those three or all three combined or, or none of the above? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the short-term weather pattern is, is not climate change. It's, it's, this is just the way the jet stream has located itself for this period of time. And right now, um, it's taking a big dip down in the western United States. When that, when that happens, they get snow and, and cold. And um, so where it's dipping in one place, it's, going, it's rising up in another, and that's what's happening over the, the eastern part of the U.S. So it is a short-term weather pattern that we're looking at. So you're at a dinner party, and you've got a skeptic who's just loud. He's had two martinis, and he wants to tell everybody that it's all a big hoax. What do you do? Do you just ignore that guy? Do you try to engage him and talk to him about science? Uh, how, how do you handle that situation, either in person or on the Internet? You know, I think one thing that we do pretty well in the, in the weather service is we, um, we're paid by the taxpayers. We're paid to give the facts. And so um, it's pretty hard to dispute some of the facts that scientists, not only in the weather service, but around the globe, have come to the realization that, uh, you know, in this period of time that we've been monitoring uh, the weather that, you know, the, these are the facts. The temperature's gone up in Burlington three degrees in the last hundred years on average. I mean, we have our ups and downs, but the, the general trend is for the temperatures to be warming. So we just, we have our facts straight and, you know, that's the way to, to approach it. So I guess the short answer is you avoid that person. No, we, we'd have a very good conversation. <laughs> and you would both walk away unsatisfied. <laughs> very good. All right, well, let, let, let's, keep, let's keep walking here and see what else we run into here. So we're headed towards a big map of Lake Champlain, and obviously that's a, a key feature, um, obviously for your forecast products and probably for, for local weather. Uh, what's a couple things about the lake that maybe you know the average citizen that doesn't live right on it, you know, isn't aware of as far as as far as local weather? It plays a big part in the local weather, especially in the Champlain Valley, which is sort of the lower terrain that surrounds the lake. The lake is about 100. 25 miles long, ranges from north to south. You know, when the winds are, are coming off the lake and the lake is not frozen, it tends to keep uh, temperatures around the lake on the milder side. And once it freezes over, like in, in later parts of the winter, end of January into February, um, gets covered with snow, it becomes a, a, a big block of ice out there that tends to keep the valley a little cooler. So it has a big, big influence on, on what goes on. What are the largest waves you recall predicting on the lake? I presume those happen in south wind events? Yeah, generally south wind events. Anything north or south can produce can produce big waves. Um, I think we've probably forecast waves as high as like eight to ten feet. So this time of year, if we were to get a crazy cold shot, I know it's not the Great Lakes, but it does create lake effect snow here and there. What's the, what are the, what are the towns that are most likely to get a good fetch? Just south of Burlington, so Shelburne down to uh, Middlebury, even down down in that neck of the woods, and up against the mountains towards. Uh, you know, Starksboro, and um, so if the winds are coming generally from the north to the south uh, or northwest to southeast, those are the areas that um, are at the end, sort of the end of the large part of the lake that can get some snow. Has the internet made it easier or harder for you guys to get good information out to people? Because obviously you have more opportunities to reach people, but there's also more opportunities for people to be distracted, uninformed, fooled by weather graphics, by people looking for clicks. I mean, do you guys worry about that? I mean, how has the internet changed how your office works in the last 10 years? The internet's made things um, easier for us to get information out. Um, and again, we, we try to pride ourselves on providing the facts, you know. Let um, other people argue about it. You let other people, you know, make their own opinions. Um, but the big, probably the biggest thing in the last five years or so has been social media. 
And so we have a lot of give and take with um, people that follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Both we can provide information and people can provide information back to us about what's happening in their neighborhood. On the ground reports have probably changed. Exactly. Um, people can send us a picture, a video. Has that really, I mean, I know that you guys occasionally put out short-term forecasts and things like that in response to a, a newly happening event. Is, that, is some of that due to, you know, the impact of social media where you'll start getting reports from a location, whether that be convection or, or some kind of localized snowfall where you guys actually are creating a forecast based on what you're getting back from the public on the ground? It could happen that way. We hope to think that we have the forecast out ahead of these things. Um, sometimes we'll use that information to fine-tune what we have out there already. Like so size of hail or something? Size of hail or how much snow. And, you know, we will adjust our forecast based on feedback that we get from the public. And then some of the blockbusters. We're talking, you know, the last five, ten years, things people would remember. You know, what, what, are the, what are the events that really had this place just packed with people, going crazy, four days straight, that, that you guys, you know, still talk about around the water cooler nowadays? So Hurricane Irene was a really big event for us. Um, big snowstorms are, are pretty um, impactful. Like uh, we had a big blizzard in uh, Valentine's Day 2007, I think, and real heavy snow that fell, you know, in a short, relatively short period of time. So those, those are the kind of events that, um, yeah, we have to really gear up for. Are you, are you always issuing warnings and watches the same all year long, or is it different early when people aren't quite ready? How do you guys treat that? Yeah, we try to call attention to what we think might be the most important impact of the event. Um, not so much maybe how much snow is going to fall, but maybe, yeah, it's going to be a case where the temperatures start out at like 34 and fall to, you know, 25. And, you know, maybe it's only a couple of inches of snow, but the big impact there is the roads will go from, you know, wet to ice in, in a short period of time. So it just kind of depends what the, what the impacts will be. We no, always know that first snowstorm of the year is a problem because we're not used to it. We're used to driving at our normal speeds that we usually drive at. And it takes us, you know, only a few feet to stop. Well, that's, you know, we try to take that into account and give people notice that that's coming. Where else? Is there anyone else to walk so, to? What, what are know, we seeing? Just, you want to walk in, you know? Well, yeah, show me around. What's, down, what's, what's down, down here? here is just, um, are uh, really not a lot to see. We've got a bunch of workbenches and stuff where equipment that breaks down needs to get fixed. Oh, let's go check it out. So how often do you have to go, you know, quote unquote, quote unquote, out into the field to do some kind of field work or are you almost always in the office? We have a couple technicians that um, service equipment from our radar, which is located in Colchester, all kinds of remote equipment to, to help us uh, monitor the weather. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people spend a lot of time on the road fixing this stuff for us. Your name and what you do? Uh, John Compo, I'm a systems analyst. And explain systems analyst? Uh, we take care of facilities, all the electronics, uh, computers to sensors in the field. Let's go see some of it. What do we got? Oh, Show me something that's broken, open on the table. So what is that? That's a data logger for a um, kind of a scaled down version of an observation system to take, you know, it does uh, temperature, dew, wind. Um, a lot of these transmit the observations via satellite. It looks it looks large. That's small compared to the the normal sensors that oh, okay the automated sensors we use at airports. What's that? What's in that blue? What's that blue bucket looking? That's thing? a weighing gauge for precipitation. So as rain accumulates, it weighs it. Um, and actually, now this one's a little bit different. It uh, uses vibrating wires to to sense the weight. Tells us how much water's in the snow. That kind of stuff. So it's it measures both rain and snow by weight. By weight. Just what's through here? Whoa, servers. Any scientific organization, uh, or maybe just about any organization now, there's a room full of computer stuff 
Um, the computers in here um, supply us with the, the servers, supply us with weather information that comes down via satellite, stored on the servers, which are then fed out to the operations area where the forecasters are working. Um, we have radar data that comes in through here. They control our radars um, and also uh, our weather radios and also our you know outgoing stuff. So everything going out to the internet. So does this is this housing like the entirety of the historical information from this unit, or is there a closet somewhere with just paper from the 1900s? Most of that data, the the long term data, this the, the data that's used to say how our climate's changing and everything else. You know, everyone around the country is re recording this information. We ship it to our national uh, center down in Asheville, North Carolina, where all the weather data across the country is stored. Um, and you think we have a lot of servers. It's just nothing compared to what, what's not only servers, but, um, you know, the paper that was used back in the 1880s. It all resides down there. So Fort Knox of the it, National Weather Service is in Asheville. It literally is a Fort Knox of weather information. Yep. Wow, and it pales, it makes this look like nothing. 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 Check, check, check. So now we're at a panel of computer screens, and what are we doing here, Paul? Yeah, so um, this is what we call our AWIPS uh, workstation. It's the Advanced Weather Interactive Processing System. Um, and this is where we get all kinds of weather information, anything from radar data that you see on TV, satellite data, which is you know, an air, uh, a spaceship up in space taking pictures of the Earth uh, from 22,000 miles up um, to weather model information. Um, and we can integrate that all together uh, to help us produce forecasts and, and weather warnings. What are we, what are we looking at, um, you know, after, hopefully after Christmas, after early January, is there a light at the end of this uh, warm tunnel? It looks like, I mean, uh, the winter as a whole, we're, we're halfway through December. We've, we probably have the warmest December on record. So the winter as a whole is going to average out um, warmer than, than average. Um, but that doesn't mean we still can't get big storms. Um, but in general, um, we're looking at, you know, uh, a, a warm, really warm start and maybe a trend towards a little more seasonable towards the, the latter part of the winter. But right now, it, it, all indications are that uh, warm is, is going to be the word for the winter. One misconception you'd like to, you'd like to help people with? Yeah, well, the, the weather is so complex. You know, everything in, in meteorology is a number. People don't realize how much math, physics, computer power goes into producing a forecast. It's really mind-boggling how complex the weather is. Um, we've, we've made huge strides, um, and the computers have helped us out a lot. But uh, it, it's all math and physics, and uh, to get anyone that's dealt with uh, equations and, and stuff like that knows that you know, you, you can't measure everything. Any, any little thing that, you know, could possibly make the forecast go wrong uh, might be related to, like, how much snow is on the ground in North Dakota. So there's just any little thing that could, could change the forecast. It's so complex. Paul, thank you very much for your time. We'll see You're you out welcome. on the slopes this winter. Yeah, I'll be out there. You're welcome. I'll give you a winter prediction. It's going to be cold. It's going to be gray and it's going to last you for the rest of your life. Thanks for the time, Paul Sisson. This is Alex Kaufman signing off from the Burlington, Vermont office of the National Weather Service. Wintry Mix is provided in partnership with Vermont Public Radio. 
Follow the show at Wintry Mixcast on Twitter and Instagram, and give us a review on iTunes. We have production assistance from Angela Vancey, and our theme music is by Adam Levy. Maybe it will snow at some point. Stay tuned to the National Weather Service. Goodbye. Somebody else can tell me what he won his champ award for. What did he win his champ award for? I wasn't here that day. People would win it for... He won an award and he doesn't know what it's for, but it's in the station log. That is, that is very uh, climatological right there. Right. That, my friends, was episode 11, first released in December of 2015. Uh, if you haven't, get back in the archive. Uh, there's a whole bunch of gems in there from number one to number 53. Uh, the original format was long-form interviews and live-from episodes, which was basically 1 through 46. So feel free to get into the archive, but really, get to PodSAM. Check out the new off-season project, find PodSAM in your pod apps, and subscribe and get ready for the first episode, which will be coming out April 24-25. There's currently a teaser episode live and ready for you to check it out. Search Pod Sam, check it out, stick with me through the off season, and hopefully Wintry Mix will be back in the late summer or fall. Goodbye.